Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, The Bachelor? uh, That book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm-hmm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral Sleepy Girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is Pace Case, or what's left of her. This is Bachelor Clues, and uh, we have something very special for you today. So sit back, buckle your seatbelts, and enjoy... What is really a three and a half year long dream come true for us? In her rookie season, our guest competed against mainstay powerhouses who all became parasocial juggernauts. She was the hilarious 4TRR girl next door, free spirit, Canadian dancer with an impeccable chemistry game. She set a record in her rookie season for group date roses with three group date roses and a one-on-one rose which produced the best RQ in the history of the game, 0.714. In the podcast game, she boasts a staggering 20.8K ratings as the host of possibly the most important podcast in the Bachelor universe. She didn't need to join an additional season or touch sand on BIP to get the crown. Instead, she vaulted from her third place finish in season 19 straight to becoming the 11th Bachelorette, where she kicked in the door of the 1 million club, eventually climbing over 2 million Instagram followers. She's an accomplished singer with two songs charting on the top 10 on iTunes, and she fulfilled a dream winning the mirror ball on Dancing with the Stars. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast, founder of Spade and Sparrows, host of Off the Vine podcast, now the head of the Nashville Sliders and the undisputed goat, the Caitlin Bristow. Goosebumps. <laughs> 
wow, you guys. I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, we feel like this has been a long time coming, and we are uh, so grateful that you are here to talk with us today about everything that you've done in game, where the game is headed, social media, all kinds of stuff. So let's start off where it all began. What was your first season of The Bachelor that you saw? Oh my gosh. Um, first of all, thank you guys for having me. Thank you for always having my back, for all of your support, for calling me the GOAT. <laughs> it's so funny. You guys have built such a great um, fan base yourself as well. So many people come up to me at uh, wine bottle signings and everything. They're like, you've got to go on Game of Roses. So here we are. Thank you. And <laughs> great. Our paid harassers worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, I got to take a page out of your books. Um, I feel like the first season I ever watched was, uh, I don't even remember, like some, a one that really stands out to me that I think maybe was my first was um, Bob the Bachelor. I remember watching that with my mom. Season four. Season four. Mm. Okay. And then I remember religiously watching, um, who's the guy that did the wine? He had a wine. Andrew Firestone? Nope. Nope. Um, oh, Ben Flanick, season 16. Yes. Ben was where I... With Courtney Robertson. Yes, with Courtney. And I remember being so into that season that I would have dreams that I was going to one day be on that show. I remember being Holy like shit. in interview rooms and I remember being on Ben's season in my dreams. You're clairvoyant. <laughs> This is like prophecy. Oh, you manifested it. Yeah. It's it's true. Like I really I like felt in my soul it was going to happen. And and it did. And did. Shortly after, uh in your rookie season, you competed against and with Ashley Iaconetti, Jade Roper, Becca Tilly. They all have over a million followers on Instagram. Did any of you know while you were in game that this level of social media success was possible? No. Oh my gosh. Absolutely not. I remember, like, I don't even remember it being a thought going into the bachelor season that social media, Instagram could ever be something you could monetize from that you could turn into a business that like followers were going to become a thing. I remember thinking it was crazy how many followers like Chris Souls had going in and not knowing exactly what that meant, but knowing like that's pretty crazy. And then I remember sitting in a hot tub with Becca Tilly and talking about like, would you ever be the bachelorette? And I was like, I don't know this this whole like Instagram thing is kind of scaring me with how, you know, how many eyeballs could be on you. And I was like, I'd have to really think about that. Um, and, and now looking back, I'm like, I love how naive I was because I didn't overthink it. <laughs> I was kind of like, what is it? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. We had no idea, no idea. Yeah. Well, you were kind of at the very, the, the tip of the spear of Instagram influencers coming out of the show, like Andy Dorfman. It was either you or Andy Dorfman who hit a million first. We can't be certain of that. We've gone back yeah. as much as we can in our research. We don't know. I actually do know because I remember Becky oh. Tilly sending me a text message of being like, congratulations, you're the first person to hit a million followers in this franchise. No, oh, I shit. do remember that. Yeah. Oh my God. You solved one of our mysteries. This is incredible information. Thank you. This has been a missing puzzle piece for us putting together the long history of the show. So thank you very much. Wow. I mean, every fact we learn more and more goat status. Another piece of the puzzle that we've always been wanting to put together has to do with your limo exit iconic. It still is considered, at least to us, the blueprint for the free spirit archetype. You come out of the limo, you tell Chris Souls, you can plow the fuck out of my field any day. <laughs> Whose idea was this? Was it all your idea? If so, did you have to get clearance from producers? Did they kind of push you in that direction? It was definitely my idea. So my whole thought process yes. on, on saying something like that coming out of the limo was... First of all, my thought process was, well, they can't air me swearing on TV, so they'll probably cut it out. Um, oh, interesting. Then I also thought, I really want him to know my sense of humor right off the bat, because if I am not for him, I kind of want to go home night one, even though that would be humiliating. But like, he, I want him to know who I am right off the bat. Um, so I thought it would be really funny to just test. drop a joke. Like, yes, it was, it was a test. Uh, yeah. so I, I did have to run it by producers. They come to your hotel room and they kind of go over what you're going to say, what you're going to wear. And I remember saying that, and it was Elon Gale who has just like the same sense of humor as me with a lot of that stuff. And he was like, perfect, say it. And he goes, and I, he goes, I know Chris and Chris is going to love it. Now he would have said that to me regardless, but sure. mm -hmm. I was like, okay, perfect. <laughs> and it was so funny because when I said it, they aired it in a way where it looked like he was like, uh, 
what? And he, it, it, like, I don't know, kind of shocked him. But really in the moment, he was like, that is hilarious. He laughed so hard. We ended up talking about fishing and like boring stuff that they cut all that out. But yeah. anyways, yeah, he he loved it. We set this up top in your uh, intro. You have the best Rose quotient of any player in the history of the game at 0.714. And this is a metric that we wow. have come up with that kind of measures how good you are at getting what we call zero-point roses. This is group date roses, one-on-one date roses, final roses, any rose outside of a rose ceremony. So your stats that season, your rookie season on Crystal, season 19, you got a first flower, which is the first uh, rose on night one that is not mm-hmm. the first impression rose. Then you got three group date roses uh, and a second place flower and then a one-on-one date rose and then another second place. Did this indicate to you at any point that the producers highly favored you because most of these group date roses and one-on-one date roses, we know producers make those selections. So were you, as you're going through that season, thinking to yourself like, damn, they're really giving me a lot of these group date roses. Maybe I'll be the next bachelorette. Um, I'm obsessed with your guys' whole like, like numbers situation here. This is amazing. Um, (laughs) I also don't think I knew that stat. Like that's amazing. Uh, I actually was such a believer in the true love story of the show. I had no idea how much the producers like had any say in anything until I became the bachelorette. And Mm. I truly thought Chris just like wanted me. I, I think now looking back, I think they wanted me to truly believe I was going to be picked to be for Chris to pick me because they knew I was like this tough girl and my walls were up and I didn't know, like it was all, I think they really wanted to see me get my heart broken and my soul Mm. crushed. And so they really wanted to like hype me up before they took me down. Um, But in the moment Mm. I truly thought Chris just like really, I was like, Oh God, he's obsessed with me. (laughs) I I didn't know it had anything to do with producers. (laughs) But I mean, even in that, I mean, you don't see that many people get that many group date roses ever. ever. Like they try to bury it at least now. No, I was shocked. I remember, I'll never forget that camping date. I was like, well, I'm just going to get lit at this camping date with my girlfriends because like, you know, I just, I got the group date rose last time. So I'm just going to have fun with it. And uh, I love camping. That was another thing. They kept giving me these dates where I wrote on so many of the, it was like 62 pages of like paperwork of what your dream dates would be and what scenarios you like and what what's your hobbies and this and I my dates were like dream dates I was like I just want to go camping and the other day it was like I just want to like shoot zombies like I really like Call of Duty and like every date I was like what I said this would be a fun date for me um but I remember not expecting that group date rose on the camping one and then he called me and you can see my face when I watched it back actually the other day and I laughed because you could see my face just I was like, what? You're picking me? I did, I barely talked to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that could be also a part of the producer's overall strategy if they did want you as Bachelorette, if they had made that decision kind of early on, that they would build you up so that you would have the ultimate victimization edit in the end. Right, right. Which I do think they did. Or they were trying to take down another person. That could be too, yeah. To make yeah. them upset. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Yeah. Uh, week two, eight men are chosen to go on the first group date and they're going to be training for a boxing match with Layla Ali and then competing against one another. You, Ali, and Chris Harrison were the judges. During the final round of the competition, Benzie hits Jared hard enough to result in Jared going to the hospital. Did you know that I was in the audience of this group date competition? <laughs> were you really? Yes. Oh, that's so funny. My friend and I followed someone on Twitter and showed up to be in the audience. Well, thank you for coming. Um, That was like the worst date ever because I felt so terrible that these guys had to do this. Like not only did they have to, they were like forced to take off their shirts and fight each other. And I was like, this is a horrible idea. This mm-hmm. makes me so sad. But of course I don't come up with the dates. You know, I people sure. get so mad at the leads for you're like, why would you make them do this to each other? I'm like, you think I have time to plan? I don't know how to plan a date on television. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a whole crew of people that are hired for that. Um, but I remember being mortified at that date because I was like, I don't like, any, I don't want anybody to hit each other. It was awful. <laughs> but how did you feel being in the audience? Were you like, were you like, this is terrible? Yeah. How am I getting to know anyone through this? <laughs> I remember there was a there was a delay for some reason. And so they were like, go back to your cars. But my friend's car had no air conditioning. So we just circled <laughs> all the audience members with the windows down 
for hours. Oh my gosh. I wonder what the delay was. I don't, I was probably like sleeping. <laughs> I was like, I'm tired. I've, I've been coaching players to like infiltrate the game for the past three seasons. And this is like one of the first things I tell them is, are you comfortable with forced violence and forced nudity? Because chances are you will wind up on a group date where one or both of these things is going to happen. Yes. But let's move on to week four of your reign as bachelorette. This is New York City. After a nine-man rap battle group date hosted by Doug E. Fresh, you find out Nick Vial, who was just the runner-up from Andy Dorfman's Bachelorette Season 10, was actually in the audience. And it's then uh, revealed that you were talking to him between seasons and you broke the game when you let Vial join the player pool as this crashing veteran on a second tour. How involved were producers in that decision and orchestrating that whole thing? I actually still don't know how involved they were. I... I mean, I definitely, so like when you come off the show, I talked to so many people. It wasn't just Nick, but I talked to a bunch of people just for advice, just because you have this unique bond with everybody. And then I remember I ended up talking to Nick much longer than anyone else. And I was like, oh, wait, wait, I think we like have a serious connection. I'm like, what am I going to do? So I was like, I'm not going to say no to being the bachelorette. Um, so like, why don't you come on the show? And I remember him being like, I can't do that again. I can't just like quit my job again, go on another reality TV show. And like, he's like, I just don't want to. He said, if we're meant to be, it'll happen after Mm -hmm. the show. So I don't know how involved the producers were. Um, but I remember saying something to them like on night one of my season and being like, can I watch Andy's season again like just to get myself ready and they were like yeah sure and I was like watching it with one of the producers and saying I think I asked Nick to come out of the limo like I would be so happy if he did so I don't know if then they went to him it was like Caitlin said this and he was like well yeah we've been talking and they orchestrated something I actually Mm. still don't know the answer to that wow fascinating I mean obviously they had to facilitate him getting there and all of that kind of stuff but uh, yeah, we've always just been curious about any player who comes in and crashes a season. How involved are producers in getting that to happen? That's fascinating, though. Yeah. To know that you were watching his season on night one, his rookie season. Yeah, they've got to be. They've got to be pretty involved. I mean, totally. I would assume because they'd have to then start getting contracts in order and all of that. You know, that's that's a it's a big job on their end to bring somebody in yeah. from another season too. Uh on a podcast recently you mentioned that a producer swiped your lips after you made out with Nick and then put them on its own lips. Uh what goes through your head when something like this is happening? I couldn't get over this. <laughs> Look, there is once you're in that bubble, nothing is weird. Like I feel like (laughs) I'm sitting there thinking about what I'm doing and I'm making out with different guys in the same hour. Like all of it becomes very bizarre and you just kind of surrender to how weird it is. So you're in this bubble and you're not talking to anybody else. And the producers are like, they become your family, but you forget that they actually are still trying to create a TV show. So I'd, like to me, that seems like a bit of brainwashing in a sense where they're trying to really hype somebody up and make him seem so desirable. And I think they already mm-hmm. saw that Nick and I really had like that sexual chemistry. So they were like really leaning into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I and I think this producer actually did just find him super hot and she was just taking it a step too far, I guess. But really in that world, I'm like, eh, what's what like that it's all bizarre it's all gross it's all weird so i just kind of like i shrugged it off until i really thought about it later i love being a woman <laughs> i know i looking back i'm like i wish i would have been like do you know how disgusting you are? i wish i would do things so differently now if i was the bachelorette ever again which obviously would never happen i would do things so differently to the point where they wouldn't let me be the bachelorette because i i wouldn't do what they wanted me to do yeah you're too seasoned you know the game too well at this point uh, I think they ran into that problem with Claire Crawley actually yeah. in season yeah. 16. And I think they, you know, in quotes, learned their lesson. Yes, I think so. Mm. If you, if I asked you to do this, can you describe producers in three words? Oh God. It's so hard because I'll set it up like this. Some of them are still my dear friends and do feel like family. And some of them, I feel there's a special place in hell for. So it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to like, loop them all into the same way as saying they're all producers because 
Like mm-hmm. some I would say lovely, some I would I would say different things for different producers. So the ones that um, I believe there's a special place in hell for, I would say they're manipulative. I would say this is more than one word, but like really good at their job. Um, they should. Sure. Get, they. Uh, they sh- I hope they're getting paid a lot of money to do what they do. Um, and then, um, I don't even know. Like brilliant, <laughs> like yeah. evil geniuses. Uh, I don't know. They're just. They're brilliant. They're. They're good at making TV. There's a reason this show has been around for however many seasons there is. They're. They're brilliant. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm always curious about that relationship, especially with somebody like you who has achieved so much success as a result of being on the show. Everybody feels a little differently about them and people who get like washed out in night one or early in a season feel much differently. I don't know if they're, (laughs) they have the the good things to say about it, but right. Yeah. Well, it's so hard to, cause I, I feel bad. There's this one girl, her name was Amber Knittle and she's not there anymore, but I don't know where I would be without her. She like saved, she was there for me. Like she she took my mental health seriously. She was really mm. sweet to me. Um, she would she would do things that probably now looking back maybe would have gotten her in trouble just to protect me and be there for me. Um, and she ended up working really hard to get uh, like a program in place for people's mental health after the show. So like some oh, of wow. them, I will still say I'm just oh, like I love them. I love them. And then some I'm just I won't even name their names because I'm like you're the devil. <laughs> 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 so dramatic. You're the devil and I'll never forget it. And yeah. you are. Yes. You get to the end of your bachelorette season. What is it like to be at the end of this? You're deciding between two people for a marriage proposal. We get Nick Vial has been hyped all season. When how did you make your decision? When did you know it was not Nick? Uh, I, again, like I I want to say I knew it was Sean from day one. I still believe I deep down mm-hmm. knew that. Um, of course, they need to make you believe it's not just one person because then you'd have a really boring season. Uh, so I would say it felt like after the overnight dates was when I felt like I'm like, this doesn't even feel right anymore to ha- to take these relationships any further, like knowing that I'm going to pick Sean. And so I remember feeling really guilty in the fantasy suites that I was getting that much alone time and, and like not being able to say truly how I felt because you, even though you're off camera, you still can't be like, Hey, I'm not picking you. You can't do that. So I remember feeling really uncomfortable, uh, after both of the other ones. And then that's kind of what I knew. And so on those, they call it like the last chance dates, the one before you get engaged, I remember feeling like such a bad person and I wanted to just be able to say like, Hey, it's, I can't, I can't do this, but can we watch a movie? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Can we just like drink a bottle of wine and watch a movie and not talk about this? Um, but of course they're giving you like the most thoughtful gifts and they think they're going to be picked and it's just, uh, Mm -hmm. it feels terrible. Um, but you know, the producers were like, we really want to go back to the old school format of the show where two people do get down on one knee. Um, and, and I thought about it. And I still am glad that I did it that way because I think it really gave people a chance to see um, things that Nick had to say. And I think it was really important for the viewers to see that side of him and maybe even root for him to be The Bachelor. Um, And, you know, same thing as when I got my heart broken, it causes people to root for you. And I think Mm -hmm. it was, I don't know, I still still like that uh, he got to have that chance to say the things he wanted to say and have, you know, the fans hear that side. Yeah, completely. I agree. They really played up that rivalry in the show. Oh was that God. a real rivalry? Yes, it was. It really <laughs> okay. was. It, it really was. And to this day, no. I still think it's, I, I still to this day think it's because they were both so similar and and it was just like, they saw, they saw themselves in each other and it just, Nick was a little more chill about it just because, um, he was kind of like, look, it is what it is. Like he kind of realized he was the villain in the story as he came in late and kind of like took over and kind of took this place of Sean being the number one. And so he was a little more like, I get it. (laughs) But the rivalry was real, very real. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I'll never forget Sean Booth 
not even being able to say Nick Vile's name and calling him the other guy uh, right. for the, uh, right. the end of that whole season. I was like, Jesus, some, he got to him. Something yeah. got under that guy's skin. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. But also at the end of your season, something very interesting happened. A few players have recently been sued by the franchise for contract violations. Luke Parker, Blake Horseman. At the end of your season, you accidentally revealed that Sean Booth was your ring winner on Snapchat, but you were not sued. And in a strange twist of fate, it was our very own marketing director, Grace Ann Parks, who screenshotted that uh, <laughs> Snapchat thing and and put it on the internet. What was that moment like? Were you getting calls for producers? Were you like going crazy? Were you terrified? Oh, yeah. I was like sick to my stomach. I was actually physically sick to my stomach because I oh, wow. thought for sure I'm getting sued. I've just ruined not only like I I try and bring in the um, the empathy for camera crews they take so much time yeah. away from their family they're not the ones like manipulating the situation they're just like working really hard and i felt like i ruined so much for so many people and i felt mm. so guilty um because it was such an honest mistake i wasn't and i think a lot of people in the franchise thought like she's trying to get us back like she did this on purpose oh wow um, whoa i think some people thought that and and really i felt absolutely sick to my stomach and so terrible for so many people that worked so hard that whole season to make that show what it was um and yeah i felt so i felt so guilty so sick so terrible so awful and it was just a constant calls from producers being like you're making our life hell right now we're in we're in mexico trying to do like um paradise and we don't have the best service and we're like trying to fix a nightmare situation and we've never dealt with this before and so we were going back and forth trying to think of all the things we could do so i'm like why don't we fly in ben also put him in bed with me and be like, ha which one is it? <laughs> then to like fly in Nick and be like, oh no. And like create a whole story about it. your hat on. <laughs> I, I, really? I, felt, I thought so too. I thought so too. Um, but really they just, so we have these happy couple weekends where we are able to spend some time with them um, in this little hideout and nobody would know we were together. And so they ended up picking up Sean immediately from, from the house. They made him <laughs> shave his beard. They kidnapped him. <laughs> and then they put him into CMA Fest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and wow. then they threw him into the mix of CMA Fest. And they're like, he couldn't be with Caitlin. He's here right now and she's here. And then they flew me to Chicago and I was with Whitney and we were out and about. Oh, and my yeah. God. <laughs> Whoa. The disinformation campaign. I'm still shocked they didn't sue me, but um, I think they knew like I was already in a really dark place. So they're like, let's just cut her a break on this one. Also, you're one of the best bachelorettes of all time. I mean, you gave them such yeah. an incredible season. Uh, I did, for the record, I didn't get spoiled by the, I didn't know about the Snapchat thing as a viewer. Oh, really? No. Neither did I. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Do you have any artifacts from any of your seasons? Like, objects from set yes um what did i take it was more of gifts that were given to me like oh my gosh clint r.i.p i can't i still can't believe that happened but i still have um no i okay nope so clint painted me a photo of chris harrison on a triceratops and i kept it for yes. so long but i ended up auctioning it off and raising money for a charity that i worked with called the covenant house raising mm. money for homeless youth um so somebody else actually has that painting now i forgot i don't have that anymore but i also um kept a welded rose from one of the guys no i didn't take anything from art department except for like i kept some of the date cards which obviously yeah. we don't write mm. the art department was but that's what i kept i wish i kept more that's interesting huh hmm. uh so after your time as bachelorette you then move into the post game phase where you start to do everything else the first thing was dancing with the stars or that was actually later yeah. but you almost had it right after your season, except Mr. Mike Fleiss blocked you from doing it. Why do you think he blocked you? And and also, what was your relationship with him like? What was his role kind of in your, your time in game? Well, I didn't really have a relationship with him. So um, mm. I don't think he really... It, you can tell from past leads that they really have a specific type. It's very much girl next door, all American sweetheart. And I was the opposite mm -hmm. of that. Um, well, in his yes. mind, in a lot of people's minds, because they showed my spicy side on the show. Um, yeah. So I don't think he was 
like all for me being the bachelorette in the first place. And I think Mm. um, a lot of the producers were kind of fighting for me to be the bachelorette. And I think the internet started having a play in it where I don't think they really had that in the past. I don't think they listened to the internet. They just Mm. knew who, you know, they think they would love to be the lead. Um, So I think you had a lot of people online on Twitter and Instagram wanting to see me be the bachelorette, which was so mind blowing to me because even watching my own edit, I'm like, oh, they would never pick me. Um, I still am shocked to this day, but um, yeah, I just, I didn't really have a relationship with him. It was more of like, we, I, I didn't even, you know, he's not really around that much. It's not like he's yeah there as a producer. It's not like he's there at the mansion. Well, he actually was a few times, but we didn't see him. Um, so yeah, I didn't really have one. And then after when, I also like, I didn't know how TV and contracts really worked at that time either. So I thought I could just, you know, someone could call me and say, you want to go and dance with the stars. And I just get to say yes. And then bye, right. I go d- take off and do it. I didn't realize like they have, you know, first rights to say no to me doing another TV show, even though it was all still ABC. Um, they still have the right to say no. So they're like, you didn't even contact us or ask. So I think, mm. I think they like, I, I think they, need to somewhat have power over their leads or people that are under contract because otherwise it just becomes a shit show and a free-for-all and you can do whatever you want and it kind of like takes away from what you just did with the show so i think Mm. they're like um you can't do that um you can't just say yes uh and then i think i think mike maybe just had an issue with me from the beginning and thought like i can have the power to say no so i'm going to and i think that was pretty much all it was was i have power and you don't and you can't do it and I think that was pretty much the thought at the end of the day. Hmm. That's what it has always kind of felt like to me, too. Because I just think it's free advertising for the show. Yeah. Other franchises, especially other reality franchises, let their players go on every podcast, every show they want to do. And it hasn't hurt any of them. It We're helps. talking about Love is Blind, Big Brother, yeah. Too Hot to Handle, any of these things, you know? Exactly. I think for Bachelor specifically, there is a weird baked in thing because it's been around longer or whatever that they do need to have this control over the people on their show. It's like, we yeah. get to determine what your life is going to be. We get to control whatever success you might get from this. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, Unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt. And <laughs> my um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no rollback waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. 
Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. It's very interesting because... It, it was different from when I was the bachelorette. Like I, it was weird because I didn't have to ask about brand deals. I didn't have to ask about like appearances, but anything yeah. to do with another TV show I did where now everyone has to ask to go on a podcast to do any brand deal. Yeah. Like you have to ask mm-hmm. them for everything. So I'm still like feeling lucky for that <laughs> because I, I, I yeah. still ended up getting to do so much. Um, and I'm actually... You were in the sweet spot when they didn't know what social media was yet. I was in the sweet spot. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like timing worked out the best way possible. Like, I don't think I would have won the mirror ball if I went on at that time. Maybe I would have, mm. but I don't think mentally I would have been in a good place to be able to do that. You also had that redemption storyline. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I finally am allowed to be a dancer. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, yeah. you co-hosted Katie Thurston and Michelle Young's 17th and 18th Bachelorette seasons with Tasha Adams. Did you have an overall positive experience hosting? Would you host another show? I loved every second of it. Um, I feel like Tasha and I both thought we could do it on our own. So it was kind of like a weird dynamic because we were like, why wouldn't, why can't you have one woman do it? Like, it felt like they didn't trust mm-hmm. just one. Yes. <laughs> Two women equals one man. Right. That whole era had a weird dynamic. Everything that happened, like, in the, the from Bachelor at 16, all the way really through Bachelor 25, to me, we call it the bubble seasons because they were shooting during the pandemic and everything. All those seasons just have a weird feeling like the producers oh, don't weird. really know what they're going, what they're doing, and they're trying to satisfy things that are happening socially and politically, but also still try to make this show. Exactly. That's exactly what was happening. So it felt like a bit of, um, I, it was like chaotic, but boring at the same time. And <laughs> I, <laughs> the worst combo. Yeah, the worst combo. <laughs> I, I loved hosting. It was like, it's my dream to just, I love hosting anything. I love hosting parties at my house. I love hosting a podcast. I love hosting TV. I love hosting anything like it's my, I feel like it's my calling. So I really loved doing it. I loved reading off the teleprompter. I loved getting like the inside scoop and then also being able to be a voice where I could hold a lot of compassion for the lead and talk them through some things by saying like, I've been in your shoes. I'm not a producer. I don't get paid producer roles. They're not even paying me a host Mm -hmm. role. (laughs) Um, Like I'm genuinely here for you. And, and I really, Oh yeah. Wasn't it like guest, (laughs) guest host or something? Guest appearance. (laughs) Yeah. It was guest appearance. So, um, but I just, I just loved it. I loved being able to be the host while also um, being like a light to the lead as well. Do you remember going through Ryan Fox's bags and finding his papers? Of course. Oh my gosh, of course. How did that happen? If I may ask, how involved were producers in the papers? Uh Uh-oh, the minutiae come out. (laughs) Well, all of a sudden, no, all of a sudden it's like we're doing this 
this new thing where we're going to go meet some of the guys before they go on. And I'm right. like, this is a weird concept. Um, and so we just, yeah, we were going into people's rooms and it was kind of supposed to be like a fun, funny thing. And then um, I remember going into his room and seeing these red duotangs and I know it was like invasive for us to go through their things, but like, we didn't see it that way. We were just, you know, doing our jobs and kind of trying yeah. to make it fun and light and funny. It's just a bit. comedy bit. Yeah. It was supposed to be a bit. It was supposed to be a bit. And then that was just laying out. And I think, you just know, laying like, out I, with a big arrow saying, look here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what's this? And it's funny. Cause I think back on, like when I was waiting in hotel rooms to go on the show and I very much knew whatever was out, you know, like, I think you even sign stuff in the contract, like they can go through your bags, like, cause yeah. they need to make sure you're not bringing a burner phone. They need to make sure you're not like doing mm. anything illegal. So yes, it's invasive, but really that was just laying out for us to see. So, um, yeah, I remember looking through it and being like, oh, wow, it's like a full guidebook, um, how to like, almost like, being a contestant for dummies book on like how to get roses. And I mean, it's pretty, it was pretty genius, but um, also very disturbing at the same time. Yeah. You have to memorize that. You can't take the book in. The guidebook would have said, burn this paper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was interesting. I, I actually ended up feeling so bad for him. Cause I'm like, that could have been an innocent thing where he genuinely was just like, Oh, my girlfriend, like from back home is such a fan of the show. And she wrote all this out for me. And so I like, I'm going to go over it. Like, but it ended up looking so bad. I actually felt terrible for him. <laughs> There is only a handful of people who have been able to parlay their time in the show into such a high level of success. You got you, Jillian Harris, Hannah Brown, Nick Bial. Who do you think is the greatest Bachelor player of all time? Bachelor or Bachelorette? It's so funny. I actually, people people probably think that I have like it out for Nick or something. And I feel like somehow this narrative of us, whatever it is, keeps going. But I actually think he's brilliant. I think he's so smart. I think he's so good at what he does. And, um, I get why you guys think he's also a goat. Um, right. You do, right. He's, I do. he's a bachelor clues goat. You're my goat. Just okay. because he okay. has more time in game, more roses. Yes. I know. I get it. I get it. And I, I actually think he's really good. Um, so what do you mean in like an overall sense of just like in everything they do, like, turns to gold kind of thing and that they were like yeah. okay yeah um i think yeah hannah brown's definitely up there um my personal goat would be rachel Lindsay. i think she's such a boss yeah. i'm obsessed with her she's definitely in, always in the conversation as yeah. well yeah um and then yeah i would i would say nick hannah b jojo yeah, JoJo mm. definitely also. She hit two million, right? Was she in the two million club? Yep. Yeah, yeah. She, I, I went back down. I was like, woo, two mil. And now I'm 1.9. I was like, no. Don't worry. After this interview. <laughs> this is going to get you at least another million. Yeah, get me back up there, guys. We'll be back in the two million club. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Speaking of the, the Instagram numbers, this past season, we have seen the lowest Instagram gains ever in the history of the game for not only the main yeah. game, but for Bachelor in Paradise. Why do you think that is happening now? Is it Instagram is just dying or is it that the show is doing something weird? I think the show ratings have just naturally gone down. Um, it's reality. TV is obviously changing. Uh, well, yeah, it's changing. And and I do think the Bachelor franchise numbers have gone down. So naturally, the Instagram numbers would go down. But I also think that just Instagram in general, it's hard to, you know, like hit that follow button. Like, I feel like everybody's really conscious of what they're taking in for media like uh i think we're in in a time where people are craving like authenticity and like genuinely enjoying the content that they're taking in and so i think people are really picky with who they're following these days um and then and then i think yeah I, maybe it goes back to the authenticity thing too where I, a lot of people just don't trust these people going on these shows anymore where they think are you are you here just to get the follow mm -hmm. um so maybe they're, yeah, maybe they're just a little more. But they've baked mm. that narrative kind of into the show. Like what they did on Bachelor in Paradise season seven with Brennan Rice and Piper James, where they literally took footage of them talking about Instagram gains, 
put it in the show and said, these are your villains, kick them off the beach. And then they lost, or Brennan Rice at least lost like 80,000 Instagram followers the next day, lost all these brand deals. Yeah. They've kind of made it a narrative within the Bachelor world that Instagram is a bad thing. And so I, yeah. I have like a theory that that bleeds out into the audience and is like, Instagram is bad. I'm not following anyone anymore. I think the selective following is... There's something there. And it's interesting that they would do that, though, because social media is such a tool for marketing and advertising that you would think yeah. they would want more like that. That would they would try and paint that as a good thing. I agree with you 100 percent. I don't think yeah. Bachelor has ever really understood what social media is and how it yeah. is really in lockstep with the show. They have never really gotten like this is a marketing tool that your players are willing to do for you for free. Just right. let them do it. It's unbelievable to me that they never have have gotten on board with it. It is interesting. I know they made some changes around there with people. Maybe that's maybe that's part of it. So we'll see what yeah. happens in the next yeah. few years, I guess. The Golden Bachelor was genius. Literally, my next question. What did you think about the Golden Bachelor? Genius. <laughs> it was so good. Obsessed. Yes. Genius. Obsessed. I... It's so good because for so long, and I mean, it's probably because I'm getting older, but I'm so, uh, I'm a lit, I don't ever want to be mean. I just don't want to watch 24 year olds who don't know themselves fall in love. Like I find it, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not believing it. I don't think they've lived enough life yet. I don't feel like they have these stories where I'm like, wow, you've really lived life. And like, love is the next step for you where you deserve this. Like, I'm like, oh my God, go, go through like five more heartbreaks before you come on the show <laughs> where golden bachelor, <laughs> the golden bachelor, I'm like, these people have lived life and they have yeah. so many stories and experiences and they're more well-spoken and they just like, I feel like they're more, they're genuine. They're definitely not there for Instagram followers. Um, and I don't know, there's just something about Gary, I mean, specifically where you're obviously rooting for him after his mm. loss and after like such a long, happy marriage since his high school sweetheart. And then he's just like the cutest. Uh, and then they casted just perfectly for it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. I loved, I loved every part of it. I want them to do um, like continue with Golden Bachelor, but then for the regular seasons, like just pick a little bit older, like people in their thirties, I think would be mm. ideal. Yeah, I agree with you. I also think with Golden Bachelor, there's something that happens on every first season of any reality show where all the people on it are a little more naive because the format isn't solidified yet. You, this goes all the yeah. way back to real world, really, but like everything, Survivor, Big Brother, first season of Bachelor. And I think with Golden, as it goes through subsequent iterations, you're going to start seeing those players play a little more. And you are going to start seeing people coming in for Instagram and fame and all of that. I think we'll probably see it next year. I think so too. I think you're right. The next year is going to be a thing because I saw the women after and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're like little influencers now. It's crazy. Yes. yes. I mean, Gary got over 100,000. We predicted he might hit a million, but he got over 100,000. That's, that's not nothing. You know what I mean? That's not nothing. No. I also wanted all of the players on Gary's season to be the golden bachelorette. Yeah. So I'm like, them. I'm heartbroken for everyone who doesn't get it. I know me too. That being said, who do you want to see be golden bachelorette? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm literally like any one of them. Um, I, of course, like so many people, I, it's so hard because I, you know, you go with who's fresh on your mind and who mm. you saw last and you've, you've gotten to know Leslie so much more because of the time that she spent on the show. So I think a lot of people are wanting her to be the bachelorette. I don't think I would be mad at any of them either. Um, but yeah, I think Leslie to me just seems like she would be a good fit because, you know, she will finally find that till death do us part. And that's a great storyline for her. It is a great storyline. And I feel like Leslie Fema might yeah. have studied the goats play before going in. Just my theory. Yeah. It was very yeah. reminiscent, very reminiscent of a certain rookie season. <laughs> there, we were talking about Golden Bachelor, and you know, just we we talk a lot about this on our show. What is 2024 going to look like in terms of how they schedule this at ABC? If you've now got mm. Bachelor airing January 22nd, you're going to have Bachelorette coming out sometime in late March. You're gonna are you going to have another Paradise? Are you going to have another Golden Bachelor and a Golden Bachelorette? What do you think the future of this franchise is in terms of just the tonnage Gosh. of material they're going to be making now? That's such a good question because I 
I don't know how they do it. Like I was just talking to one of the travel agents over there because I'm going, I, I'm going to Gary's wedding, which I'm so excited about. Oh my God. Lucky. Um, yes. I know, I'm, I'm so excited. And so I was, I was like, she, I was like, how are you doing? And she goes, I'm just, a, I'm a zombie. And I was like, I don't know how you guys are doing it over there because I always thought, you know, I, I said to Jesse, I was Jesse Palmer. I'm like, I was so happy for him to get the job. Of course, I was like a little bummed, but I'm like that one doing one season of the bachelorette kicked my ass. So to do bachelor in paradise, bachelor, bachelorette, golden bachelor, possibly golden bachelor in paradise. Plus he's doing football stuff. I'm like, I don't, you have to be some sort of robot, but I was like, you guys must be exhausted over there. And she's like, yeah, we don't get a week off. Like there's no, there's mm. no time off in our world. And it's like reality TV is it's constantly evolving and changing with the times. And so they have so much to figure out because they're like, you know, they were so used to the, the America's comfort food with the same format and doing the same things every season. But now it's like, they see the competition and they see the, uh, you know, all the ones online that you can binge and like, why yeah. it has to be like, why are we tuning into this one? So totally. they have to really yeah. think about how to keep it exciting and fresh and new. And I think they're seeing, I hope they're seeing that like audiences craving authenticity and more real people and mm. real situations and um, real emotions. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where it will go and how they do it because I, if they do it right, it could be really good. But I mean, there's just so much competition out there. I really hope Golden has like opened their eyes to the fact that you can take that yeah. format and just sprinkle a little something on it. Now they're older. Now maybe they're not straight. Now maybe they're this, you know, whatever. Right. And it will be right. an entertaining thing because the format is so pure. That like game of attrition is it's it works on everything. American Idol, Survivor, whatever. Um, yeah. I also just saw recently, you know, Mr. Beast, the YouTube guy. No. He's the biggest YouTube guy in the world. Uh, oh, wow. He is making a reality show on YouTube that is two people locked in a room together. If they can stay in the room for 100 days, they get, I believe it's $500,000. If either one of them leaves, they don't. And it's the first time that we've really seen a completely independent YouTube person who I don't know how many hundreds of millions of followers he has. but One room? Yeah. We're starting to see extra people outside of like network and cable TV now making right, their right. own reality shows. And that's going to be competing mm. for eyeballs too. And I think that that ultimately yep. is kind of the future of reality TV. It's going to be independent yep. producers who have the means to produce stuff at a high level, uh, just throwing it on YouTube and be like, check this out. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's fascinating to me. And we've, we've long talked about maybe the bachelor having like a, uh, a streaming service unto itself. Do you think that's ever possible? Yeah, I'm I'm actually surprised they have not done that yet. Um, but I I definitely think that's possible because I think people are people just want that content now. Like everybody yes. wants it right now. So for them to like do it where you are able to binge watch something, I think would be smart. Um, but yeah, it's I think they need to see that what you just said, how it's gonna be a lot more independent productions and people doing their own thing because they can and there's the technology for it and it's yeah i i think they'll do a streaming service or like go in that direction like i'll be surprised that they don't do that for joey's season yeah i agree i mean you know warner brothers owns all the media so it would maybe be on hbo max or something but you right. see these other kind of independent media organizations like wwe for example had their own streaming service where it was yeah. like all the current shows plus everything back in like the history of pro wrestling it would be so fascinating if bachelor could do that and put every season they've ever had i know there are some that they probably don't want you to watch back right. in those early 2000s <laughs> we had a hard time finding them but uh, right. I think that that has to be where they go. I don't know why they wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't either. But again, it, like you said earlier, they just I feel like they don't understand that side of it. So if they've made those changes and brought the right people in, I think they could do really well with it. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. 
Yeah. If they were to reach back in the vault, as they sometimes do, to pick a next bachelor or bachelorette, who do you think that they should pick? Um, I don't even, it's, I, my memory scares me. Like, I don't even remember who was on the last season sometimes. Like, I'm like, um, I don't know. No one from last season. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even, who, who just was the bachelorette? Oh, Charity. Charity Lawson. Yeah. All right. Charity. Oh, I love her. Gosh. I, I don't know. I'd have to think about this. Like, give me some names that I'll tell you. Cause I can't remember. Peter Krause. Oh my God. Yes. Mm. Luke Pell. Luke Pell, no. <laughs> Just a hard, absolutely not. Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson. Um, I did think so for a while, but I feel like yep. he got he got too into the idea of him becoming the Bachelor, and I feel like he lost his um, authenticity. I might be wrong. Don't mm. come after me for that. No, you're right. He made a post. He made a post on Instagram where he like kind of presented himself as the next bachelor. Yeah, in April Fools. And I think that pissed the producers off. Yeah, you can't do that. I think he might have been in contention until that. Yeah, you can't you can't want it that bad. Let's in our, our final minutes here, I want to ask you some questions about your podcast because we also do a podcast. You may be aware of that. <laughs> What has it been like for you moving into the podcast world? You have arguably the biggest, I would say, bachelor uh, adjacent podcast because it's not an official Bachelor Nation podcast. There's right. only one of those now, of course. Yeah. Bachelor yeah. Happy Hour hosted by Grocery and Serena. But um, what has been kind of the best and worst part for you in the experience of having this parasocial audience, your vinos, um, who feel like they know you? I mean, the best part is definitely your your you're able to showcase more of who you are in an hour than split seconds on, you know, Instagram stories or whatever. Um, I always wanted to have my own talk show or radio show or something like that. So I, I love having authentic conversation. I've said the word authentic way too many times in this podcast, but I love having real <laughs> conversations with people where you're, you're so genuine and real. <laughs> oh God, I hate it. Uh, I say those words all the time. It's so stupid, but I, I like having a conversation where you're not on your phones. So you don't have, you know, you're not just yeah. trying to get like 10 seconds of something. I like, I like good conversation with people and being able to share that with people. And now my favorite part has been going to do these live podcasts where I get to meet the listeners mm. because there, I have the right audience listening to me. And it's so fun because I, I wouldn't even care if I lost a bunch of listeners and downloads and followers if I keep the ones that are just, I meet them and I go, I would be friends with you in real life. <laughs> like people that come to the wine bottle signings, I, I feel connected to them, even though I've never seen them and they listen to me all the time. It's so interesting. And I just love, I love being able to have that more intimate, uh, live, raw kind of conversation. Uh, so I, I would say touring actually has been my favorite. And mm. least favorite is, did you ask for my least favorite? Yeah, because there's it's a double-edged sword. We're aware of this too. I mean, we on a much smaller scale, but you know, we see the positives and the negatives of this as well. And I, we're always just curious about people who have big podcasts. What What is kind of like the downside to you? I don't, I'm trying to think. Of, the downside is probably, I don't know, always being so aware of upsetting somebody, but that's just like having a platform in general mm -hmm. i'm i'm always so afraid i'm gonna offend somebody and say something wrong or make a headline okay that's the worst part hands down the headlines that come out of it <laughs> right when i i like have a whole conversation where i'm saying so many different things but they take one little part and put it as a headline and then it hurts people's feelings or it makes it seem a certain way and then people come after me and they don't actually listen to the podcast or read the full article they just see the headline that's the worst mm -hmm. part for sure man yeah we we uh we thank you for talking about that cuz i i know that it's uh Anybody who has one of these big podcasts, I consider like you and Vial to be the two biggest that are like not the official Bachelor Nation podcast. And he's right. always getting shit too. And we see that yeah. you're always getting shit. And it's yeah. just like, I don't know. It, it's just interesting to me, especially that you try to maintain these positions within this franchise. Uh, and even, I guess, uh, whatever's kind of like sidestepping it too, because you're talking about other things, not just the franchise, but at any rate, right. interesting to hear. And I feel like the franchise's audience is especially dedicated. Yes. 
I don't know if other communities have the fervor for better and worse. Yeah, it's true. It's they're they're very loyal and um also like they, they can I always joke that if there was ever a murder in my life, I would ask Reddit to help me because that the Bachelor yes. franchise on Reddit could figure out anything. <laughs> anything. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's reflections in a glass. Like sometimes <laughs> I don't know if I'm impressed or like embarrassed for them. Like I, I honestly don't know sometimes if I'm like, oh my gosh, the amount of time you have, but also like I it's wildly impressive. I, that's something that I tell every player that I coach. I'm like, look, if there's anything that exists online. Reddit will know it before you even step out of the limo. So make sure all your mm-hmm. shit is squeaky clean. Scrub what you need to scrub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't go into yeah. this thing yeah. having anything online that could come back to bite you in the ass. Um, God, it's crazy. Let me ask you this. If the Caitlin Bristow sitting here today having this conversation with us could go back in time and talk to the Caitlin Bristow who was stepping out of the limo for the first time in season 19, what is one piece of advice <laughs> that you would tell yourself? I would say have a little bit more of a backbone on the show to producers. Um, I I still like, of course, the benefit of hindsight is, you know, I, I'm grateful for all of it now. And I it worked out exactly the way that it should. But I'll never forget sitting down with Sean Lowe after. <laughs> I know. I'm like, change nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But I'll never forget talking to Sean Lowe after we were at dinner. And I was like telling him part of my experience. And he goes, I hope you realized how much power you had in in being the lead. Like you're, I hope you stood up for yourself. And I was like, mm. I didn't really. <laughs> I kind of just like, I kind of got a little bit pushed around. And I think I, if I was to go back, I would tell myself to have a little bit more of a backbone. But other than that, I would say just be exactly who you are, because otherwise you get you're not going to succeed not even just in the relationship in like your career afterwards if you're trying to be someone just for television but yeah what's what's do you have like one thing i would say you had a backbone though you did you renegotiated your bachelorette contract i was impressed by that i didn't know people negotiated really in previous jobs i've had and been like (laughs) oh shoot (laughs) i definitely that's true i definitely i i was smart in certain ways i think just when it came down to like Maybe the last couple of weeks of the show, I think I was just so mentally drained that I would just like do whatever they wanted me to. I'd be like, what do you need as long as I get to like, do you want me to say this? I'll yeah. go to bed if you let like, I'll say it. I'll say anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, Caitlin, we can't thank you enough for sitting down with us today and having this conversation. Please give our love to Pino and Ramen. Oh, I will. Two of the, the parasocial creatures of the week. Basically every week they're winning the award yeah. from us. Uh, always doing the most. They're the best. Are they classically trained? Why are they so good at doing the bits? The, I swear Ramen is an Instagram influencer. Like anytime I bring out the camera, he knows exactly what to do. Pino, not <laughs> so much, but like this Pino's the sweetest mm-hmm. dog I've ever met in my whole life. But they are less food for Pino. <laughs> they are literally my everything. I'm obsessed. Uh, well, thank you again so much. This has been uh, a pleasure. A dream come true having you on the show. I really hope I like lived up to the to your expectations. Um, thank you so much for having <laughs> me on. Above and beyond. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you guys so much. You guys are always so sweet. What are you up to now? Where can people find you? Well, right now I'm in Leduc, Alberta, my dad's. So don't come find me here. Um, but I. I'm really proud of my wine. I'm real. It's been a lot of work. So spade and sparrows. Um, we've got a cab, pinot noir, rosé, and a pinot grigio. Oh, you have it! Oh my god, look at you. That's mm, it's one? so it's uh, it's honestly the the only wine I drink. I am obsessed with it. It's so good. It's low sugar. It everything about it. I'm just like it's it's my favorite wine. It truly. I'm I. If you saw my house, you wouldn't believe me. Um, and then of course my podcast off the vine and grape therapy. So off the vine comes out Tuesday, grape therapy Thursdays. And, uh, yeah, I'm actually, I, I was so sad to let go of my hair accessory company, but now, um, now in doing so, I am so much more creative and focused on my podcast and wine label that I didn't realize how, but I was just taking on too much. And I thought like, oh, I'm a failure mm. for shutting down my hair accessory line. But it was so fun while I did it. And One of your 10 businesses. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> let's just let something go here, Caitlin. Um, and now I feel, yeah, I feel like I'm more involved in my other things. So Fantastic. Yeah. 
Well, thanks again. Hopefully this will bump you up to 2 million again. Yeah, please. For my ego, please. Come on, (laughs) pet, do it. (laughs) I love it. Thank you guys. And then thank you to all your listeners for being so kind and supportive. Anytime I meet them, they're incredible people. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. Yeah, it's amazing. Thank you guys again. Thank you so much to the one true goat, Caitlin Bristow, for coming on. I mean, that has to solidify it at this point, if nothing else. Uh, listen, Vial has some catch up to do now. That's all I'm saying. He's he's definitely <laughs> now got to come on our show or have us on his show. But no, sincerely mm-hmm. to Caitlin Bristow, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was a fantastic interview. And it was great just to get to talk to one of the legends of the game who is doing everything at the highest level imaginable. She is such a consummate professional. I can't get over it. She needs to be hosting something, some reality show. Hmm. Some reality show. If only there was a reality show being developed by people who are experts of uh, reality dating shows. Oh, you beat us? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens in the near future or the far future. But uh, mm. sincerely to Caitlin Bristow, thank you so much for coming on. We hope everyone has enjoyed this. And um, we will... See you soon with our next episode. Until then. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 